0: Welcome to Rants and Revelations with Mike and Steve, a place where theology and everyday life collide. The opinions expressed in Rants and Revelations with Mike and Steve are ours and ours alone. We're not seeking to make a documentary with incriminating evidence, we're just seeking to provide an avenue for us to express ourselves, tell our story, and help anybody who may be blessed by it. In doing so, we have changed some names and places for the sake of anonymity, and to protect those who may not want their
1: information given out.
0: Well, Mike, we're back once again. Yes, Rant sir. and
1: revelating. Revelating and rantulating.
0: <laughs> the rantulations are usually more epic than the revelations. They
1: are. I feel like we, I don't know, we've had a, a mixture so far. Um, but yeah, the rantulations are pretty good.
0: <laughs> the, the, the rantulations. Yes. I like rantulations on my salad. Yeah,
1: I like rantulations on my French fries. Yeah.
0: A little bit of pizza.
1: It's good. A little sprinkle. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so I asked you earlier, give me a top 10 list, and you said top 10 favorite bands. Okay. So I've cheated, and it's actually a pretty solid list. I went to chat GPT, and I said top 10 favorite bands. So nice. So this is the AI, the Future Overlord's top 10 favorite bands. Love it. So then we can chime in and add our top 10 favorite bands. I'm glad I
1: didn't have to come up with 10 bands because, yeah. uh, not going to lie, when you asked me that question, I was like, oh gosh, I yeah. don't know if I can think uh, of maybe
0: five. I could see the fear in your eyes, but yeah. I <laughs> let it roll because I knew it was going to be fun. Okay. I trusted you, though. So I still chat- do. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I retained some trust from somebody. Top 10 ChatGPT favorite bands. So it prefaced it. So the AI overlords tell us, I don't have a personal preference. But I can certainly list top ten popular bands that many people enjoy. Here they are, in no particular order. So number one, or do I do Dave Letterman start from the bottom up?
1: Hey, I it's it's AI, so I don't think it really matters. Yeah, and they said no particular order, order, right? So
0: and it does preface it that keep in mind that musical taste varies widely, and what someone considers their favorite band can be very subjective. So, even the AI overlords understand the subjectivity of a favorite band. I
1: love it when computers are hedging. Oh,
0: man, this is hedging pretty hard too. <laughs> but I will say it's a solid list. so I'll do ten ten to one. Number ten. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> I mean their lyrics are super they have unsensical. like two good songs. <laughs> no no, no, no they have they have one good song played thirty different ways.
1: That's okay, good point. <laughs> and I do like
0: me some red Hot Chili Peppers, though their lyrics mean literally nothing. Yeah, good point. Very shroomed up. <laughs> yeah I, I
1: i i liked um under the bridge and that came out when I was in high school so i'm dating myself a little bit there but uh after that like i just i never really got it
0: it was the same thing over it just and over never again. really
1: clicked with me i'm just like i don't hate them they're kind of like fine. punk rock they're kind of funk they're kind of metal kind of classic rock yeah they're i'm not sure i guess yeah so anyway yeah that's fair they're they're to me, they're the Chick Fil A of rock bands. They're overrated. <laughs> you gotta dip them in a sauce to make them work. Yeah, they need some sauce. <laughs> That's how it works. Wow, I'm just I, I'm just gonna receive so much hate mail for saying all these things. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes, we know
0: who to give it to. Number nine, Coldplay. Not a giant Coldplay yeah. fan, but I understand
1: why it's on the list. I do too. They have some epic tracks. Yeah, they do. Eight the Rolling Stones. Yes, I enjoy me some Stones. I think Classic. Good. Gotta love Keith Richards. I mean, yeah, he's pickled. He is. He's the original no, he's, animatronic robot he's guitarist.
0: Abraham Lincoln, if on meth, like at Disneyland, you know, the the old Abe Lincoln exhibit <laughs> like on the meth. the animatronic Abraham Lincoln, if it was on meth. <laughs> I think that's an accurate description of uh, Keith Richards. Number seven, Nirvana. Yeah, Nirvana. I can. I can see it. We had an anniversary of Nevermind, I think, or something recently. I heard a podcast with people interviewed and blah 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 blah. U2, number six. I've never been a big U2 fan. I don't hate U2, but it just never clicked for me.
1: I'm the same way. Coldplay
0: was the same way. I didn't hate Coldplay, but I'm like, eh, that's fine. I mean, people love U2, and that's cool, but I'm like, all right.
1: Yeah, I've always been the same way, but I I don't. I'm not actively confused by them like I am by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's fair. That's very
1: fair.
0: <laughs> We're in the, the universe to where the Red Hot Chili Peppers aren't short order cooks at a restaurant. Yeah, that's the universe that and Post we Malone. Pulled. Post Malone should be a short order cook <laughs> and so should the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> and we live in the universe where that has not happened.
1: Yeah, there's some Rick and Morty alternate <laughs> universe where multi- all of them are are short red, order cooks. Yeah,
0: the, multi- the multiverse has really expanded and narrowed in on our v- version of it <laughs> number five radiohead yeah That's yeah fine they're pretty good four is a solid one queen yeah I enjoy me some queen there they're a good band gotta love some bohemian rhapsody yeah bohemian oh. rhapsody um, we will rock you is always a classic anyway yeah pink floyd oh yeah I'm a big pink
1: floyd fan I, I can get behind pink floyd
0: I understand why people don't like them because they are a bit ethereal and odd but they are one of my top favorites Two, Led Zeppelin oh yeah get the lead out Got to get the lead out. Yeah, man. Number one, I feel like it says I don't have personal preferences, and this list doesn't matter, but they listed the Beatles as number one, so I still mm-hmm. think AI's AI biased. I
1: think they listed them in order.
0: Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. I personally, I, I like the Beatles' songs, but I think people cover their songs better than the Beatles actually performed them. Hmm. I'm a big Jimi Hendrix fan, but I feel like people yeah. who cover Hendrix songs actually do better than Hendrix. Hmm. That's my opinion, huh. but- Sure, I'll get hate mail for that one. Maybe
1: I'm a huge Beatles fan, I do and enjoy I didn't the really appreciate them until uh, <laughs> at a, of all places a community college. I took a history of rock and roll class, and the Beatles was basically like half the semester, and it was funny. It was eye opening. I didn't realize all the firsts that they had they in did, music.
0: They were revolutionary in many ways. They were. I actually, this is blasphemy to some people too. Think the Rolling Stones were a better band as far as their music goes. Mm. But the Beatles did have a bigger impact, but they don't have methed out Abe Lincoln animatronics.
1: They don't, and ironically, more of the Stones are still alive than the Beatles. Yes, this is true. Yeah, which is, I think their drummer passed away recently. Yeah, but I want to say Keith, Mick, and I don't remember the other guitarist name because <laughs> yeah, I'm not the, that nobody remembers that. Yeah, either. but yeah, someone else in the band I think is still alive. So. That works.
0: Now, any you would add to that list that was not listed. Hmm.
1: Like I said, I'm a Hendrix fan, but that's a pretty solid list. If I was an AI animatronic uh <laughs> not math demon down, like lord. Richards. Demon what would lord I, AI. What would I pick? Um Let's see. I mean, this is just my personal top ten, but the zombies. Style. I, I don't know the zombies. The zombies uh were a British invasion band, same era as the Beatles and Rolling Stones when they were popular. But they had some really influential songs. They were really good. Um, so, but yeah, I'm also a music nerd.
0: Yeah, well, I am too, to a degree. So let's- How about you? Uh, if you had to add one. I'd probably add the Jimi Hendrix experience. Yeah, just that makes for sense. for me. But that's preference. You know, my favorite album is Electric Ladyland, which is Hendrix's third album. I could listen to that one over and over again. Along with Dark Side of the Moon, two of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. You know? What about guitarists? If you're to hone in on just guitarists.
1: Mm. Um gosh, there are so many good guitarists. Uh I really appreciate um hmm. I've got to narrow that down. I I would say Stevie Ray Vaughn is probably number one uh, for me. Yeah,
0: he's He's really up there for me too.
1: Yeah, he's he's one of the best. Him and Eddie Van Halen, yeah, I think, are Van two, of, two was, of the guys that I think have, are, have had the biggest impact on guitar music. Um, and then Robert Johnson, actually, is uh, a super influential blues yeah. guitarist from like the, 30s, the 20s, 20s, 30s. Yeah. Sold his soul to the devil. Right. The Crossroads, the whole yeah. story. That's all about uh, Robert Johnson. So uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of Robert Johnson's
0: Robert stuff. Johnson. Well, the influence runs pretty deep mm-hmm. in today's culture and society. Yeah, those are good ones. David Gilmour, Pink Floyd's a good one. I really oh yeah, enjoy David Gilmour is fantastic. He's classic. There's a couple I'm blanking on right now that are good and newer, but those are solid lists. I think we can stick with. So now that we've uh, secluded out of probably three quarters of our audience because they yeah. don't know who we're talking about. No notes. offense to you, Christian conservative white people, but.
1: Yeah, if uh, <laughs> I guess maybe we can figure out how to put a skip feature in to skip all of this nonsense. track, so you can skip the first track. I don't track know how to do the, that yet, though. The icebreakers, don't hold uh, me to it.
0: this is just part of the deal, bro. Just part of the deal. <laughs> so we're still working on our series of unhealthy churches, mm-hmm. spiritual abuse, uh, what we went through wasn't a cult, but it was cult Yeah, cult like It had flavors of a cult.
1: Yeah, it was like the Baskin Robbins of the cult. World. It had thirty one <laughs> flavors of cult.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we were the we were in the mixed somewhere. Yeah, I somehow. would say we
1: were like the pineapple coconut, or maybe the uh, yeah you know mocha almond fudge of Ooh, of cult churches. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, a little chunky. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as popular as
1: other ones. Yeah, but you know we. We're in there. We're still in the case. We're in the cold case with all the other ones.
0: We made it. We're not not seasonal. We're a regular. I'd say we were in it. So we're polishing this off, and we're not quite at the end, but we're creeping up on the end of Mm -hmm. our series. And as we've gone through it, Mike and I have discussed what it looks like escaping or leaving an abusive church. Yeah. What we're going to touch on in our topics, uh, there are varying degrees. There are certain cults where there's a lot of power and control the difficulties in leaving will be greater in those other, other cults that have very domineering and abusive holds. Mm-hmm. And though ours wasn't nearly in the category of those deep, deep-rooted cults, there still was an abusive hold that was fought for by the leadership. Absolutely. Specifically Pastor Tom. So these points we're bringing up have varying degrees of severity, Mm-hmm. We're going to try and hit them as best we can, once again, speaking from our experience. It wasn't as crazy as it could have been, but these were definitely there and definitely factors to consider when looking to leave an abusive church. So with that, let's jump into topic number one on our countdown of escaping an abusive church. And first and foremost is to release yourself from false obligation to the abusive leader. Yeah. So parse that out a little bit, Mike. I know what you mean, but, but talk about it. I think...
1: What was hardest for me leaving, and I've heard this from some other people who have left, was not feeling like you're sinning against God by leaving the church, because I know Pastor Tom really made it feel like if you disagreed with him doctrinally, if you disagreed with the church and what they were doing, and if you wanted to go somewhere else and you left, that you were in danger of being judged by 100%. God. 100%. Um, because they had, he had this attitude of, you know, touch not the Lord's anointed, and set himself up as a mediator between us and Jesus.
0: I think as I, I had mentioned before, I was threatened by being eaten by a bear. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Varying degrees, but that kind of manipulation, whether it be subtle or outright, was a big factor in his control.
1: Yeah, and like... Um, in your email to me uh, and my email to Lance, there was this allusion to the necessity to repent to Pastor Tom for our insubordination rather than repent to the Lord yeah. for being rebellious. And it was something that was a repentance directed towards a human because by being insubordinate, we had sinned against him and therefore against God. So. Because these leaders spin this web of lies that they are your vicar, the vicar of Christ on earth, sort of thing, or the mediator between you and Christ, or the you know dominant spiritual father of your life, and it, it if you get sucked into that, which we did, um, it's pretty normal in those in those situations to to get sucked into that whole mindset. That's, I think one of the hardest strongholds to break.
0: 100%. You feel a loyalty that you believe is to the Lord, but it's actually to this human leader, this human figure. Mm -hmm. And that is very powerful because the tangibility of it, because it's physically there in front of you. And because there is a fear that has been established by the leadership, whether it be verbal abuse or in some cases, physical abuse, Mm -hmm. We want to keep them happy because some of it is a false view of who God is. We think of God as a vindictive or heavy-handed deity or father that will punish us severely, which that is taught by these leaderships, that if you Mm -hmm. abandon, God will punish you severely. So you gain a false view of God's kindness, justice, mercy, Mm. and a false view of your spot as a son or daughter in Christ who is loved and because you view this leader in the place of God to a large degree, you then desire to stick in it because if you abandon the leader, you're abandoning God and the judgment not only of the leader will come upon you, but the judgment of God will reign upon you. Uh, whether it be being eaten by a female bear or being verbally accosted, the degrees of do vary in some cases, depending on the cult, it could be life-threatening. Yeah. There are people who have had threats against their lives and legitimate attempts against their lives for wanting to leave a cult. Now, we were never in that position. Thank God. Speaking from secondhand knowledge, just from interviews I've heard, more anecdotal, but things that have been talked about, depending on where you're at and what kind of a cult or false religious system you're in, the mental click to get out of that is huge, and that's mm-hmm. rooted in scripture, it's rooted in prayer, and it's also rooted in true community. That means finding those around you who will love you and take you in and help support you. We're going to jump to that in a little bit. But what are some ways that we can then release ourselves from this false obligation? Um, the prayer and the scriptures are a big one. work right. of the spirit has to occur, but what are other things that we can do to help us maintain or gain clarifying sight?
1: I think, uh, well, you mentioned Scripture, and I kind of want to camp on that a little bit if we can, because I think what finally clicked for me was even if this person is a pastor, so to speak, based on the qualifications that are in Scripture for what a, a pastor should be, this person has disqualified themselves. 100%. And that was what really brought it home for me, was reading what Paul has to say about what the overseer should be. And there's a couple of passages. One is in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And this is his qualifications for overseer. And he says this, The saying is trustworthy... If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not a violent, not violent, but gentle. And this is what really brought it home in our situation, not quarrelsome not a lover of money.
0: I would say you could even add the not gentle part. Yeah. Gentle oh, part. yes,
1: that's true. Not violent, but, but gentle. gentle. Because yeah.
0: though maybe not physically violent, Pastor Tom was verbally and cognitively violent. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Good point.
0: That's a, that's a huge factor. The, the abuse usually makes gentleness a non-existent quality. So yeah. I'm sorry. Continue, Mike.
1: No, I mean, it, it goes on, but those qualification, that list of qualifications, there was enough there for me to go even even if it start he started out as a legitimate pastor, he's disqualified himself from leadership, and I don't have to follow an unqualified leader, and neither do you. you don't have to follow an unqualified pastor so setting aside all of their bravado and all of their high signing and um you know uh pounding the desk over being a prophet or man of God or apostle or whatever they claim about themselves or. Moses or whatever, they actually are unqualified to be a leader in the first place, or at least at that point. Yes. So you have no obligation to stay under an unqualified leader and they have no spiritual authority.
0: And there may be cases where they start off as a qualified leader and due to either no salvation, temptation, or whatever it is, they slide down a path to where they disqualify themselves in these nuances I would venture to bet that most people in charge of cults were never qualified to begin with.
1: I would tend to
0: lean that direction. And the Lord knows the people move the direction they go. And it's above my pay grade to make those final calls as to who's saved and who's not. Right. But based on what we can see, there are times to make certain judgments. And this is definitely one, especially with leadership. Pastor Tom's case, after the fact, and though if we had researched enough, we probably would have found this out earlier, though maybe not have believed it, was never qualified because he lied about his credentials. Mm-hmm. He lied about his influence and work he had done. He didn't lie about his connections with MacArthur or grace, but he right. did embellish them and exaggerate them to a mm-hmm. very large degree. And come to find out he had lied about a lied a lot about his past and the thread that it took for him to get to where he was now. Yeah. So that is after the fact we found those things out. so the lies just compound the issue of these lack of qualifiers that were there within him.
1: Absolutely. And there, you know, there's another list uh, in Titus and it's very similar. He says for, this is Titus one, seven through nine. It says for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So, Similar, but there, it even says straight out, not quick-tempered. And that's what we really experienced was a quick-tempered person who would just fly off the handle at Very the top of Very sharp hat. and curt mm-hmm. and out of nowhere.
0: You know, not that good men can't have moments of weakness. Absolutely. Good men can exhibit anger and a lack of self-control at stressful or odd times. Mm-hmm. But what Paul and Titus are speaking to is the regular day-in, day-out behavior of these leaders. We understand that our leaders are not going to be perfect. Absolutely. They're going to be sinful. They're going to make mistakes. Every ministry has its flaws and holes in it. But are these overarching characteristics? If the overarching characteristics are the negative and the positive are more sparse, then we have a problem. The negative will occur but it needs to be sparse in the leadership sense.
1: And there needs to be a sense of uh, repentance and- Humility. Humility. Big time. You know, I'm, everyone, like you said, everyone's human and pastors are human.
0: And, it's a, and hard, it's a hard
1: job. It is. It can be really grating. You get a lot of feedback in different directions from different people telling one, you one know, one family thinks, you know, you're preaching too soft. The other feels you're preaching too strong. And, you know, I mean- And then marriages,
0: a marriage is falling apart right? and counseling through it and then- wayward children that Mm -hmm. people are dealing with that you're mourning over with them it's it's a difficult
1: difficult it's a a heavy title it's a heavy heavy office to hold so um yeah uh, someone needs to be called to that and uh equipped for it with the gifts that god's given them yes and uh the the irony to me though is that with our guy, and it seems to be also the case with other guys who claim special revelation or special office, you know, special um, state of being yeah. before God, heightened
0: the, authority or whatever yeah, you want to call it.
1: Yeah, that they have less fruit of the spirit than the congregation. <laughs> they claim to be closer to God, but they. F- fly off the handle at the drop of a hat. Yeah. So And that may not be, it'll true. be that one.
0: May not be true in every congregation. True. If you have a big cult, then you have a lot of unsaved people in there. But in our instance I mean, I I'm gonna be a little generous and say I think everybody was saved but the pastor. Right. And maybe there were a couple that weren't in the midst of us. The Lord knows, but mm-hmm. as far as the demeanor and temperament of the people in the congregation, even to its last few weeks, I would say they loved the Lord. Yeah. yeah I would say even our puppet elders, because there were elders who were weak in some sense um, and controlled by this man. Yeah. I still see a love for the Lord in them.
1: They were godly men and-
0: I wouldn't say they were qualified to be elders.
1: I mean, not necessarily. Uh I think, I I don't know whether they were qualified or not. They may have been, but I think they were handpicked because of their disposition towards Tom in the first place.
0: This is 100%
1: accurate. So I think- he preyed on them because they were he figured he could control them yeah so they were definitely not the most outspoken um though they were all very you know um they they were pretty good guys you know i mean they they weren't like a bunch of randos so
0: the one that was the most outspoken is probably the one though that was the biggest behind pastor tom true Um, And later on, I never had a conversation with him. He's since gone home to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand is that ended up fading and declining in his support and care because it became more real and understanding of who Pastor Tom actually was. So we've seen that removing this false obligation to the abusive leader is huge. That comes down to the fact that they're truly not biblically qualified. Therefore, you have no obligation to them. Right. Practically how that works out is going to be different for everybody but it's a sign that you need to start making a plan to get out. Yes. Depending on the the nature of the organization, that can be pretty severe, that can be pretty easy. I would say overall, on paper, where we were, pretty easy. Yeah. Because it was, you just leave, and that's kind of it. There wasn't any financial obligation other than what we were told there would be, but there wasn't like any tapping into our bank accounts, there wasn't any threats of life, and there never really would have been in that context. True. There were never any physical, no, no real physical control in the sense of living with Pastor Tom or a leader. Right. Um, so you, we all had other places to go or we already lived in other places. But that's not true for everybody. Some cults do have it where you live with them. You're with a cult leader. Yeah. or Your whole family's in there with a cult. Yeah. And a big factor is getting your family on board. Yeah. If you have family that is not on board, sees the cult, and they've been praying for you and calling you to come out, that's an easy place to go to. That's an easy direction to run to go and get away where it's a safety net and a safe place. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that. So if married, spouse is important. Um, yeah. Prayer, bathe it in prayer, use the word to help show your spouse what's going on, but also that the Lord, mainly that the Lord will open their eyes um, to see what's happening. Speak to the fan, getting the family on board a little bit more, Mike. What, what does that look like and maybe some anecdotes about that?
1: yeah, When you're in a situation like this, God willing, if you're married and you have kids, your spouse already sees it and you both are unified in your desire to move on. Um, But sometimes that's not the case and it can create a divisive sort of wedge in your relationship. And Steve, I think you kind of experienced that. Trying to get away from from, uh, Church B, I think, didn't you?
0: Um, So it was a bit flipped where my wife wanted to leave and I wanted to stay. Mm -hmm. And we stayed till the end. Um, During that time, my wife did give birth to both our sons, and that was an easy excuse for her to no longer attend and one I didn't really question But she desired to leave a lot sooner than I did, where having bought it hook, line, and sinker, stayed literally to the last day of that church and even stayed in connected with Pastor Tom much longer than I should have. But, you know, due to the fact that I was still following that path in a large degree. So she, we were immature, but we, she knew something was wrong. My family did and so did my in-laws because they all had attended the church at one point. And for me, a lot of it was prayer. They just prayed, trusted the Lord with it. And in God's goodness, it worked. It took time. It took a long time. And what actually, honestly, was the final nail in the coffin was when Lance and I reunited and you and I reunited, which was 20, what year did you get married? Uh, 2016. 16, it was mm-hmm. 2016, because it was just before you and your wife got married. Yeah. So that was that was a long time, though. In a long time being at our current church, a long time not being around or near Pastor Tom, it Mm -hmm. took quite a while for me to unravel all the nonsense. Yeah. So if you're a family member of somebody who's stuck in a cult, pray Mm -hmm. and wait on the Lord. It doesn't mean that you don't have interactions. It doesn't mean you don't raise questions, but understand that in the cult mentality, when somebody is stuck in it, they don't want to hear it. Pointing out flaws and errors isn't necessarily wrong. But it's not necessarily helpful. It yeah. depends on the person. Um, most times when a person is stuck in a cult or leaning that way, if not caught early, the brainwashing and the, just the, the devotion sinks in and sets mm-hmm. and it's stuck. And it takes the Lord to really remove that and to fix that. So prayer is the number one thing rest in scripture, be kind and loving, invite them in. And you don't have to put up with all the nonsense, but showing a lot of grace was huge for me. Yeah. Uh, When they finally quit really talking about it was when I was willing to come around more and just live with, you know, be with them and enjoy their company. Everybody's different. This is my personal experience, but them praying for me was huge. Yeah. Um, And them just loving me was huge and trusting the Lord to do his work in his time though i look back and wish it had happened sooner the lord allowed it for however long the lord allowed it yeah and it it's hard but if you're if you have somebody who's stuck in a situation like that pray be diligent love yeah. them care for them let them know that you are a safe place to go to so when they finally do get out of that mindset they know where to go
1: yeah absolutely
0: when the lord finally breaks the hold or you are finally they are finally able to come through the hold they know where to go without judgment Hmm. and that's huge yeah it was huge for me
1: yeah um i know i know how hard it was for me to get away and i didn't have family there so what the big hold was that false sense of loyalty that tom had engendered in us, I think.
0: A little bit of that. I'd say a lot of that and a little bit of the us versus them mentality we've spoken of before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we found the truth. How can we leave the truth? Yeah. And that's a very cult thing too. It is. You're you're the minority fighting against the majority. You're against the world. And how can you abandon that?
1: And something Tom did that sort of drove that nail further and further into the coffin the longer you were there is the way he preached his emphasis was on knowledge yeah but not personal knowledge in it's in a relational knowledge but in scriptural doctrinal knowledge and the way he viewed sanctification was that you were reprogramming your new man through understanding scripture on the most deep, fundamental level.
0: I remember him literally saying that brainwashing's good as long as you brainwash it with what the truth is, and the truth to him was what he was teaching. Mm -hmm. So he literally said, I'm brainwashing you, but under the
1: guise that it's good. He did. So he, yeah, he believed in, basically, he taught brainwashing, and he taught it as if it were biblical doctrine. And he taught that, you needed to reprogram yourself with the pure spiritual milk of the word, quote unquote, which, of course, as you mentioned, was his interpretation of scripture.
0: This is r- ridiculous!
1: It it really is. The problem is there's enough truth in that that it sounds plausible mm-hmm. if you're not, if you're, if you haven't really keyed into some of the issues with that. One of the main issues being that. Basically, that is a form of Gnosticism, and Gnosticism is the approach to spirituality that claims that knowledge is the key to spiritual vitality, whereas the scriptures teach that Christ himself is our ticket to spiritual vitality, and it's our connection to him relationally, a a relational knowledge of Christ that is our hope not our ability to articulate doctrine, though there is value in that, it is not a replacement for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And 100%. that's what it became in our context, where knowledge became a replacement for the Holy Spirit. So when you get deep into something like that, the, the philosophy that they espouse will tie you in knots mentally, and it makes it hard to justify leaving because like you said, you tell yourself, well, where else am I going to get the pure spiritual milk of the word? Where else am I going to get the true doctrine? Because you try to justify it in your mind to say, well, I, I can't stand how I feel here and how oppressive this person is and these things that they're doing, but I still, part of me still believes what they're saying. So it's it's hard to separate the person, it's hard to kind of parse all that out mentally at first and it takes time and in distance because contact with a person like that they'll continue to reinforce their false teachings on you and their false obligations and all this stuff on you through all of the tactics that we've talked about already. So um that's it's it's similar to a uh a, a woman who's in an abusive relationship with, yeah. with a man and people from the outside looking in think, well, you're crazy. Why would you stay in that? Well, it's not just physical abuse. There's a mental sort of Stockholm syndrome thing going on there. Um, and what I understand it to be now is what's called trauma bonding. There is this bond that forms with someone through this, this cycle of trauma that they create where you experience tr- a personal traumatic experience within the relationship there. Then they do some kind of a reinforcing activity like a love bombing. And then it feels like you went from on the outs to restored with them. And you start, you start to gauge your, your emotional and, and spiritual health by whether you're on the ins or outs with them, and they kind of withhold their love or acceptance or, or they, uh, they give you that acceptance based on whether you're towing the line the right way or not. And so they, they mold you into this little obedient kind of little slave almost. Yeah. And um, it, it's a mental trap that's – it's really hard to untangle. And, and it's, it's emotional and it's, it's hard to understand unless you've experienced it. So from the outside looking in, it looks a lot easier to leave than it can feel yeah. when you're inside a context like that.
0: A lot of what it is is a mental control that is idolatrous. Amen. We are taking our um, obedience, our loyalty, and our thought processes in our heart— And rather than assigning them to God and who he is, we assign it to this person. Abusive relationships is one where they think they can't get out of it because they will lose A, B, or C. But if we understand who God is, we understand his character, and we realize, no, our hope is in Christ, the will of the Father and the work of the Spirit. We will never fail, not in this person. And then we can properly judge what's going on around us because our mind and thought processes is connected with the Lord. And we all have failures in that. Yeah, absolutely. We, we all have idolatrous hearts that flare up, even with the new creation and as believers in Christ. We still have times where that is a part of who we are. Mm-hmm. In God's goodness and grace, He will grow you out of it. And that's a big part of it. Is it's an idolatry. You're connected to this leader. You're connected to being the one who has the truth, and that's what you have to hold on to. You're not clinging to Christ. You're clinging to this thing, mm-hmm. and it's an idol and destroying idols hurts. It's tearing off scabs, it's opening up scars, it's creating wounds, and it hurts. It hurts desperately, but in God's goodness, he heals.
1: Yeah, I would say there there can be times where it's an idol, but I don't think it automatically is. True. I, I don't think it's automatically True. idolatrous because these people know, they're experts at using scripture to tie people's minds and hearts and knots, and part of it is they use people's dedication to Christ and they re- they repurpose it and redirect it towards themselves. So what they do is they put themselves in the seat of Christ and they say if you're going to be lo- if you're going to be loyal to Christ you have to be loyal to me because I am his leader. D- direct yep. representative on earth and to disobey me is to disobey Christ. So what they do is they superimpose themselves over Christ so that in your heart you think how can i love god and and feel so terrible about this person so it's it's really a mental confusion that comes from this false teaching i think and I would be really slow to accuse someone of idolatry in that situation. For and that's that
0: reason. fair. I'm speaking from my own experience mm-hmm. anecdotally in many and ways. It that's can a good point. Be.
1: it can be idolatry though, yeah. and and that's something to keep in mind. And I
0: would say for me it was
1: idolatrous, okay. yeah,
0: um as I look, have reflected back upon it, I do see an idolatry of the heart there. Mm. But you are correct. Paul does talk to Timothy and to Titus and through the scriptures about those who are in leadership, who manipulate and take advantage of the weak, take advantage of widows. And that's not an idolatry. That's somebody being taken advantage of. Yeah. And that is definitely a true factor. And that's a good point, Mike. That's a really good point. So getting family on board is huge. That's going to help us have a support net. If you're the family member, pray, be gentle, be kind, and reassure them that they will always have a place to be. Because as soon as the Lord breaks their heart towards the truth, they need a place to go potentially. They need to know that you're a safe place to mm-hmm. go to. If you're in the midst of it, You're seeing things you need to get out, find somebody to help, pray for it, ask for it. If you don't have somebody offhand and the Lord will provide it. You just need to be patient, wait for him and then run as soon as you get there. Assessing the threat levels, our next big point, varying degrees in this. Our threat level was pretty minimal. Yeah. Overall, we had no reason to have a fear for our life. We didn't live with pastor Tom. We didn't Mm -hmm. live with any of the elders. We were all in positions, you and I to where we could just dip out. Yeah. Um, And you did. I stayed. But the opportunity was always there and available. But that's not always the case. So talk a little bit about assessing the threat level, some of what that looks like.
1: Yeah. If there is sexual abuse or physical abuse, it may be a wise idea to get authorities involved in that if you know that there is sexual abuse or physical abuse that you can go to straight to the police with that. And I think it would be wise and good and advisable in a situation like that to definitely take that to the authorities. If there is provable fraud, financial fraud, like they're taking your paychecks or forcing you to sign your inheritance over, um, Strong arming you into financial decisions you don't want to make, and you can prove it. It may be you may be able to get the authorities involved on that, though. One of the hard things in proving financial fraud within a religious organization is that oftentimes it is assumed that your gifts to the church are just that they're gifts, they're a free will offering, and to prove that it was done under duress or some kind of fraud was involved is very difficult because it becomes a matter of he said, she said. So that can be a tougher one. Um, Like you said, if there is threat of physical harm for leaving, you got to be really smart about how you leave. I've heard stories of people in real severe cults, one story in particular where the person who left, they fled at night on foot from the compound and they found themselves on a road somewhere and someone picked them up and they just had the clothes on their back, a few dollars and like a bottle of water or something. And that was how they escaped the cult. But there was so much control happening that they couldn't just leave during the day. They had to sneak away at night.
0: And that does happen. Mm -hmm. So you have to assess what it's like to get out. Back to the point I said earlier, if you have a family member stuck in a cult, always be ready to receive that phone call and always be ready to go and pick them up wherever they're at. Mike and I had a, an, were in a position to where we could have just shown up at our family's door and at least me personally, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I just walked in, it would have yeah. been fine. Some people don't have that. And if you're in a compound, you're under heavy control and they're able to escape, that means you as a loved one, as a family member, have your heart and mind prepared to go in the middle of the night to pick them up somewhere. Pray for it. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord to do that. If it happens, be ready to be that support and that help and that love. That will bring some healing and help them further escape the cult and be under your love and care to where they are truly safe, truly protected. Sometimes denominations are there involved, depending on the type of cult. Every denomination, for the most part, has its pluses. All have its minuses. All have its good churches, as long as they're biblical all have their bad churches, like Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Anglican. There are varying degrees within those denominations. Sometimes there's discipline, ways to have discipline occur within those denominations to a higher authority within that. Mm-hmm. SBC, or like the Presbyterians, um, have a presbytery that they can go to for appeals right. and support. That may be something worth considering as well, reaching out to the higher authorities in your denomination, if that's the case. If it's a deep-rooted culty, cult, 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 technical term there, (laughs) Um, you're not going to have that. Right. You're going to need to escape. Or if your loved one's in it, they aren't going to have that. If you're an outsider looking in, pray about reaching out to the higher authorities. Now, the potential damage is the people who are in the cult may see you as a threat against them and push them further into the cult. Handle that one prayerfully. Seek yeah. counsel from your pastors and elders at your church. Explain the situation. But if they're in, let's just say, Presbyterian church, because I know they have a strong hierarchy, you may want to consider the opportunity to speak to the higher ups in their synod and go to them. I think I'm using the right term synod. Presbyterians are probably going to freak out on me a little bit.
1: I know but... that's true in like the RCA, they have synods. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I think. I, th- I think
1: so or I, I might be wrong about that. Anyway.
0: Correct us on a comment. Yeah. If you like us, give us five stars. If you don't like us, give us one, but leave a comment. We'd love to read it. Yeah. But uh, correct correct our incorrect use of the word synod. Um, <laughs> but it may be something to consider going to. Handle it prayerfully. Speak to your elders, speak to your pastors, get counsel on it. But that's an option you can do as an outsider to potentially help and destroy this cult.
1: Yeah. And, it, you know, you might want to, if, if, It's in your heart to try to take down the bad pastor. Start documenting everything. Yes. Write write it it down down. with dates, times, names, places, people, and every detail that you can. Write it down. And my advice would be put it in some kind of a cloud document. That you yeah. can access from anywhere, not just on a piece of paper somewhere. Sure, if you got to jot it down to start, great, but transfer it into some digital format. Write
0: it on an email and email it to yourself, yeah, and put it in a cloud and mm-hmm. make a Gmail account. Yeah, document it all multiple ways. So if one is found, you have multiple resources to be able to find this thing. Yeah, it can only help you. Doesn't mean you'll have to use it, but if you do, you have those resources available for documentation.
1: Yeah, and that's going to give you a lot of uh, a lot more clout if you go to your denomination to try to blow this thing up also if you can get other people on board you can get two or three people to go with you that's a lot better than one person because every you know it says in the bible that you don't accept a, a accusation against an elder except by the mouth of two or three witnesses yeah. so one person they're not going to just take one person's word for it. You got to have several people. So like Steve said, this is something you have to approach very prayerfully because it can, it can go really well, or it can be a long, arduous draining and, yeah. and really horrible process that you wish you'd never got into in the first place. A lot of humility, so yeah. A lot so of proceed grace. with, with wisdom, caution and prayerfulness and uh, you might want to do it after you leave it may be something you do after you've already left instead of trying while you're still in there. But you're going to have to take that before the Lord. Only you know your situation, and God knows, and you can take that before the Lord and and pray for wisdom. And like Steve said, get good counsel if you can from outside people if you're still on the inside of it. If you're out already and you have good counselors, that's also really, really helpful to decide whether it's even worth it or not because it it, it can be a long... And difficult process. Yeah.
0: And be prepared in your heart for nothing to change. Absolutely. It may stay exactly the same. For whatever reason the Lord allows it, trust him with that, but prepare your heart that it may stay the same. Pray that it won't. Pray that it will be fixed, redeemed, and shut down. But understand that that may not be the case, depending mm-hmm. on the cult. Um, once again, broad strokes, every situation is so different. Um, we're just kind of speaking hypothetically here based on anecdotes we've heard, a little bit of what we experienced, but that's something to be
1: prepared for as well. It is. And just as a side note on that, I mean, I'm not the Holy Spirit to tell you how you should or shouldn't feel um, and what level of obligation you should have in your heart for trying to take something like that to a presbytery or a denomination, but in... Looking back on how I escaped, I now don't think I had any obligation to go and have a personal conversation with Pastor Tom. No, no, you didn't. I could have just dipped out and pieced out and been done, but I felt this false sense of obligation that I had to go meet him in person, and I even read back on—I found— an email that I sent to Pastor Tom after I talked to him before and after I talked to him so before I I actually sat down with him I sent him an email and I had told him I was going back to church A
0: the one we split from so
1: I had already told him before I sat down with him and talked to him about it I had emailed him and said I'm going back to church A I didn't realize that because it's you know 15 years ago or whatever so then I found the email from after I met with him and he had said he was going to disfellowship me and in my email I said I would highly recommend you not disfellowship me as you'll be shedding innocent blood and might bring unnecessary judgment upon yourself from the Lord which is language we would use about disfellowshipping meant um you know you're gonna go tell everybody that I'm a dissenter and all this and um basically rake me over the coals with the congregation. That's what I understood by disfellowshipping and the whole part of shedding innocent blood would be slandering someone on in, you know, lying about someone's spirituality and lack of spirituality to everybody. So anyway, make a long story boring at the end of the email, I said, I still love you and everyone at that church, but I'm going to be at church a on Sunday. So I was still so controlled by this idea that this person was in God's place. That I I literally still said, "Hey, I still love you guys," and I did love everyone at the church. But I felt obligated for no reason yeah. to this person, and I I totally forgot about that that part of it. And It took months afterwards for me to realize, Nah, I don't have any obligation.
0: <laughs> That's the control that he had. Yeah, it absolutely. really was.
1: So, so yeah, don't. You may feel more obligated. The whole point to you know bring that home to a point. um, You may feel more obligated now than you will feel later if you give yourself time. Yeah. So if you feel like oh I gotta yeah, I'm responsible to like blow the whistle on this whole thing and blow it up and everything. Well, I mean you can, but I mean boy, it's going to be a hard road. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to really count the cost.
0: That's it. And a lot of it is being prepared for whatever God may have in store for you, being prepared for whatever the next steps are. And maybe that means a hard battle ahead of you. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just leaving and disappearing and starting over anew. Yeah. Every context is different. Everybody has a different call and a different thing they need to accomplish in their lives. You have to assess that for yourself. Mm -hmm. Part of it also after you've assessed the threat, what it means to escape is actually having a plan of escape. Mm-hmm. If you're in a cult that is very controlling, you're in an environment where you're in a bunker or whatever, that takes some planning. That takes some work. That takes some time because you can't just readily walk out whenever you want because you have no control over a lot of your everyday in and, ins and outs. If you're in the situation we were, like you said, Mike, we could just disappeared. Right. Could have just left. Wouldn't have been a big deal at all been done with it. Varying degrees, but have a plan in place. A part of that plan also for the escape plan, I would say, is set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Set in your heart, even write them down. Here are the boundaries that I will not cross. I will not talk to Pastor Tom anymore. I will not associate with him or his family at all. When I have interactions with people who are at the church... I will be very guarded about what we talk about. If I get sucked into being called back, I will end the conversation, move on, whatever it mm-hmm. is. I'm just giving random yeah, examples. that's good. But you have to consider that and be ready to move on with those boundaries in place. And that's part of the escape plan. Mm-hmm. Escape plan is not only physical, mental, emotional, it's of the heart. You have to plan for both. Mm-hmm. How am I going to get out of here physically? And how am I going to get out of here mentally, Mm -hmm. and you may not have everything set in stone immediately, pray about it, plan it out. If you need to escape because life or threat, um, a threat to your life has been brought up, you need to get out of there and move on. Go to law enforcement. That could be a part of the escape plan. Go to law enforcement. Maybe a part of the escape plan is talking to an attorney or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Depends on the context. What are some things you would say about an escape
1: plan? I would say- if you're not in a threat of you know your life being actually threatened and it's something more like the situation we were in where it's an abusive church um kind of goes back to the point where sort of slipped into this already that i was making that you don't necessarily have an obligation to try to correct the leadership and correct the direction of the church and this is just my two cents looking back. I think the more quietly you can leave, the better. Yeah. Most most of the time. Uh, the more waves you make, the more backlash you're going to get. Um, the more difficult and painful it's going to be. The the more you can just sort of fade away, the better. I would say you don't have any real obligation to do that. And if you just want to send an email or say nothing and just disappear, do, that's totally fine. You have no obligation to do to go back into an abusive situation. And mostly it's because you have no obligation to subject yourself to further abuse in order to maintain your own integrity. There's no sense in putting yourself in harm's way so that you can have some further sense of integrity because this, this person doesn't deserve your integrity and, and to have you sit there in front of them so they can abuse you more. (laughs) 100%. So um, if you're an elder, if you're a deacon, if you're involved and you feel obligated and you can't get around that obligation in your mind and you feel like, no, I have to have a conversation with them. Well, be prepared for what's going to happen because they're most likely going to be, they're going to gaslight you. They're going to abuse you. They're going to, they're going to be very upset. But if you feel, you feel there's no other way than, I get it and yeah, you, you, can do that. Um, but that, that part of the es- escape plan, I think is the first part is like, how am I going to make my exit? How am I going to do that? How loud am I going to be? So I personally, I think quiet is better.
0: I agree. Um, being loud about it will make them fight and claw. Because if you're being loud about it, they won't just be losing you, they'll potentially be losing other tithers. Because it always is rooted in money, Mm -hmm. control, and power. And if you are a threat to that, it's difficult. Leaving quietly, but being willing to talk to those who have stayed, because people will reach out, maybe not all. The pastor or the cult leader will give whatever narrative they want to give. But I would bet that you will have conversations with some people, Mm -hmm. depending Being a light and gentle and humble in that will give you opportunity to then speak into those situations and be able to bring light and influence into their lives and leaving quietly rather than, you know, kicking down the doors and burning the place down will be more inviting for people to speak to than somebody who's aggressive, aggro and mean. So that's my two cents. you have to do what the Lord calls you to do, Mm -hmm. uh, what is best for you. And that's different for everybody, but there's wisdom in leaving with some humility and quietness, but every context is different. Mm -hmm. If you need to blow it up, you'll know blow Mm -hmm. it up, but be, be prepared for the fallout and whatever the next things are. Speaking of that for fallout, there is going to be fallout regardless of how you leave Mm -hmm. quietly or loudly. What are some big parts of fallout that we need to consider?
1: Well, I think the number one thing is you're not just leaving this abusive pastor. If you've been there for any amount of time, you're also leaving your community. Yeah. So that's part of what makes it so hard to leave these places is you may be enmeshed.
0: And community could be beyond just friends. It could be parents. It could be spouse. It could be children. Yeah. That's not easy. Yeah. And that's a part of the fallout. Doing what is right needs to be done, but it's not easy. It can yeah. be very difficult to do so. It's counting the cost, weighing it all out, um, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That can be very hard.
1: Yeah, it can. And, um, it, you know, you're probably going to be labeled on your way out and it's going to be really hard to have relationships with the people who are still there. Yeah. Um, I know for me, when I left, I didn't have any kind of contact with anyone except people who wanted to leave. In fact, one of the elders I actually had a conversation with. I don't know if I told you about this. I don't think so. Um, One of our uh, elders will say Elder B. I think you might know who that is. Um, His first name started with B. Um, Yeah. He... And I ended up having a chat because he and my grandfather were friends. And uh, we met somewhere. I don't remember. It was like a McDonald's. They would hang out and they got to where they were hanging out and meeting up at McDonald's.
0: Grabbing a coffee or whatever. Yeah.
1: And he was like, hey, you know, so-and-so wants to meet with you. I was like, okay. So I met with him and they were like, he was like, geez, it's so bad now. I can't stand it. And, you know, Pastor Tom's just taking a huge dive. The church is taking a huge left turn. I, I don't know we're not sure what to do. Um he's like how did you get out and like w-, he's like what what do you think? I'm like I- if it was me I would run. <laughs> just dip. Yeah, I mean seriously, I if I was in your shoes, I would just peace out. Yeah. L- let him figure it out. You know, you you could try to blow the whole thing up, but you know, but he felt so obligated to try to fix it, you know, cuz he was one of the elders. So it was it was sticky for him. Yeah. But he left not long after that.
0: No, he did. He took off. Yeah. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, a lot of it's that. You just got to dip. Yeah. Having a plan, but be prepared for people to bite at you. Yeah. It's going to hurt because there are people you love and care about, people you want to leave with you. Some are going to claw at you. Some will bite back at you. Be mentally and cognitively prepared for that. Have your heart ready for that. Mm -hmm. Give it to the Lord. Not easy. But it's what you have to do. Yeah. Part of the fallout could also be monetary, depending on the depth. hmm You may have given tons of cash to this place, and you have to be prepared just to let it all go. If you're able to gain it back by lawsuit, you'll know. Yeah. But don't expect it to come back easy. So that could be a fallout, too, is financially, it could it wreck could you. be, yeah. And that may be a part of it. Yeah. For your freedom. Friends and family is always hard, as we've said already. Support group, networking, starting over is a big part of what you have to do in order to get out of these things. Yeah. And it's different for everybody. looks different in every situation. But you have to be ready to do so depending on what's going on. So we've talked about fallout and escape plan. Um, Having a safe place to run is where we're going to land this one. Once again, this isn't all encompassing. These are some big topics to consider. There's more to think through, more to consider, but to end with a safe spot to go to for me, though this didn't end up happening, it would have been with my parents. Mm -hmm. I could have gone there, no problem, or even my wife because she was ready to dip (laughs) sooner than I was. But finding a healthy church is a big one. It's not just about getting out of there and finding a place to live. It's about finding a healthy church that you can Mm -hmm. invest in, start fresh, and seek good counsel and good pastoral leadership. Yeah, that means going to those whom you trust and asking for their advice and help.
1: Absolutely, you're you're gonna feel untethered in a lot of ways yeah. when you leave a place like this, and and, and even
0: jaded. I know for mm-hmm. me, going back to church was hard. I did, but it was not fun. Yeah, it was difficult, but it was needed. It's actually what the Lord used to end up helping me get out of everything completely. Was the church I'm at now? Yeah took time, but we made it.
1: Yeah. And I I remember when I first left, I felt, I think now I realize it was, I was experiencing what's called disassociation, where I felt like I wasn't in my body. And this is when I had the conversation with Tom and I felt like I had separated from my body while I was talking to him and I could see us from like a th- third person perspective. perspective while we're talking. It's like, I my yeah, it, it was really traumatic. And when trauma survivors experience a lot of symptoms and you're coming, you're raw, you're just yeah. coming fresh out of this trauma. You're trying to get healthy. You're trying to figure out what to do. And so be really kind to yourself don't expect yourself to be superman or superwoman when you're leaving and absolutely if you know people who you trust and they have a church check it out it's worth it yeah check out their church even if you don't stay there if you if you just go somewhere where you feel like at least you have some safe people around you that's going to make a huge difference if you versus just cutting out of the church and then not returning to a congregation, because you're going to dry up spiritually, you're going to end up in a yeah. really bad spot.
0: It will not end well, and if you can have that in place ahead of time, though it may be difficult, the Lord will use it, and it will be a healthy thing to do.
1: Yeah, and that's what we want to get into in our next episode, is talking about what does a healthy church look like, because we've been camping on for quite a while here what um, what it looks like to be in an abusive church. But yeah. after being in something like that for so long, it can be hard to recognize what is healthy. So we want to talk about next episode, what is a healthy church and what are some marks? Now it's not going to be, we're not going to have all the answers for every, you know, single situation because there's lots of different churches and there's different doctrinal bents and stuff like that. But generally speaking, yeah, what are what the marks of a healthy church?
0: And that's not easy that can be difficult depending on location. Geographically, if you're not in a big city like we are, it might be a little more difficult to find a place close by. Yeah. But the Lord will provide. And we're hoping to talk about next time what some of those things are. Like and subscribe if you feel our content is worth listening to. Um, download the episodes. Help us get those boosts that we could use. We're not looking to do anything crazy here. We're looking to be helpful with what we've been through moving forward in the progression of helping others. In whatever way we can, using our experiences the Lord's given us to do so, however that looks, wherever that pans out. Before we roll out, Mike, any last things to mention? Any last things to consider?
1: Yeah, in the spirit of helping other people out, if you know people you think could benefit from this podcast, please share it.
0: Yeah. And with that, I'm Steve. And I'm Mike. And we'll catch you next time.